Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to bringing transformation to the church. And I'm here with Mary. No, Mary's not here. No. Mary, we've got a bobblehead of Mary, and Nick <laughs> has made a reappearance. How you doing, brother? It's two weeks in a row. I'm doing great, Father know, John. But no Archbishop Aquila. We miss you, brother. No Archbishop Aquila. And no Mary. Mary, we miss you. It's it, your bobblehead is not you, but um, most of the people just said, "No, nah, it's not even worth it." If she's not on, I'm not listening. That's right. Just so checked out. We miss you, sister. But uh, she had an emergency that came up. Nothing serious. Don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, you and I are flying the ship today, brother. Yeah, we are, Father John. And today, I think we have a we have a great topic, which is we are only as strong as our foundation. Oh, say more. I love this. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about culture and what drives that. A lot of people talk about culture these days, and so. As we get into that, we'll talk about how we see uh, culture getting changed in the church and some key, key things about that. So with that said, will you pray us in? Yeah, I'd love to. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, your Son said that uh, unless we build on rock, when the storms and the wind and the rain come, the building will be destroyed and blown away, and that means many things we understand, but one of the things it means for us right now is to make sure that all that we are doing in the church in this age that you've chosen for us to live in rests on very solid foundations. So Lord, we just ask for your anointing upon our conversation here right now that it would be uh, all that you intend it to be and that it would be fruitful for our brothers and sisters who are listening so that all of us together might build on rock, namely your son, so that we can build solidly, so as to be able to withstand the storms and to bring about your desired result in this world in which we're living, namely that all of your children would be gathered into one. We ask all this in Jesus' mm. name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Nick, I know we, uh, we got a topic, but before we do that, we got a really special announcement. What is it? The uh, special announcement. That was a really lame sound I know. I, I, it was, I was a drum roll. I was going to try drum roll, but it just isn't, the, the desk is too far from the mic. I don't know. <laughs> so so that today's, um, I mean, so this special announcement is that we have a book, Father John, our first book being published from Acts 29 Press. Oh, I love it. What's the title? The title is The Christian Cosmic Narrative, A Deep History of the World. I love that. Actually, the deep history of the world. Not just a, but the, right? So why, why, why are we doing this? Why, why this book and, and why the press again? Yeah, we were bored. We had nothing to do. <laughs> so we figured, hey, let's start publishing things, right? No, so, you know, our three central principles are reacquiring a biblical worldview. It's not enough to be a staff, and God is the architect. Mm. And, and we, we just keep beating this drum over and over again wherever we go. We think these three principles together, when they're, when they're done together, they create an alloy, something new, and they bring about transformation in the church. And this book fits perfectly in with our first essential principle, yeah. namely reacquiring a biblical worldview. So the, the point behind the author's uh, book, we didn't write it. Uh, I just wrote a little forward, but the uh, the author who didn't want to be known, he just wants to put this stuff out, uh, is trying to help us really just see, again, through biblical eyes, right? So most popular podcast in the country right now, or at least one of them, is Father Mike Schmitz, The Bible yeah. in a Year. Love, uh, love our brother. He's just an amazing guy. Great gift. But that speaks to people's yeah. hunger, right? Like they want to know the story. How many people don't understand the Bible? Oh, I mean, and, and so we've we've put this out to really just try to help people, like understand how to even begin to approach Scripture. Like, what is it all about? And the author just does a spectacular job of giving us a big picture of uh, of the deep history of the world. 
That's exactly right. And so for those of you who are you know, friends of Acts 29 or, or just even listen from time to time, you know, we, that first essential principle, reacquiring the biblical worldview, you know, we, it's always, we always want to get concrete and practical in our, in our mission, right? Mm-hmm. And so practically speaking, you can go online and listen to uh, the various, um, uh, I guess you could say, formats of, of preaching, you preaching created, captured, rescued, response, the gospel, yeah, the which, is, which is a great way to soak in it. Right. Second thing you can do is pick up Father John's book, right, that, that you've published, that, um, and that's through... Um, Word Among Us. Word Among Us, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that's, that's uh, Rescued, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News of the Gospel. Right. So you could pick that up and read that. Again, just reinforcing this first essential principle, we have to live in this. And now this way, another way, the Christian cosmic narrative, to really steep ourselves in what is the Christian imagination? What is the, what is the Christian way of seeing the world? It's so important to the transformation of the church. Yeah, because we're constantly getting evangelized by the world, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, like the, we're, we're swimming in a culture which sees uh, reality through non-biblical lenses mm-hmm. and oftentimes hostile lenses, if not ignorant, right? Not always hostile, but sometimes ignorant. And so what, what we watch, what we listen to, it's ever so subtly, sometimes, sometimes not, right. giving us a contrary vision of reality. And uh, so this is an attempt to like play the right reel, if yeah. you will, but in liter- <laughs> literary fashion. So it's a great book. Where, where can they get it? Great. So you can get this by going to our website at acts29.org slash store. So that, that's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org slash store. And right there, you'll be able to order the book. Um, it will also be coming onto Amazon here shortly. So as you hear this, it's probably on Amazon. If not, it'll be there really soon. It'll certainly be there by Friday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so tune back in. But you can get it from our store. We'd love to do that. This is a great thing, by the way. I mean, there's so many people right now because I know parish ministry is suffering continually because of COVID. So more and more people are doing ministry out of their homes or they're doing small groups, yeah. meeting someplace, you know, in the backyard, whether it's getting warmer, at least here in Michigan. Finally, um, <laughs> this is a great book for a small group uh, study. Right? Yeah, oh, excellent, excellent. And, and the chapters are short and powerful, mm-hmm. and so it's able, you're able to just either chapter by chapter or even a couple of chapters at a time move yeah. through this. And, um, yeah, just, again, soak in that worldview. We have to soak in that worldview. And he's one of the best authors I've ever read, so uh, just can't say enough. <laughs> Don't run out and get it. Give it away. Give it to people for uh, Christmas. Give it for birthdays. It's really a spectacular book. And if you're lucky, Nick will tuck it, touch it to his forehead. <laughs> And he'll sign it, and it'll be a second-class relic one day. So, all right. And then you're going to need your hands in a desert wipe to wipe off that forehead grease. And I know people are missing Mary like crazy right now. So so let's go into the topic. Only as strong as our foundation. So, I mean, this is is, uh, such a passion for you, you know, like bringing transformation to an organization, especially to a diocese, especially to a bishop and his his team. Um, You swim in this stuff. So help us understand, like, culture, its importance. How do we get clarity on it? And then we maybe we can talk a little bit about what we want to offer um, for all church ministries, actually, in this apostolic era. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Nick, maybe it might be just helpful. Um, culture is one of those words that people throw around all the time. For our purposes right now, what do we mean by that? Yeah, so it's kind of like this sum or collective um, behaviors mm. and beliefs of a group of people or even an organization. Okay. And okay. this can be both explicit or implicit, right? It's a, lot, a lot of times it's this stuff that's not being said, okay. but is actively displayed. So this could apply to marriage, family, oh. workplace, church, diocese, lots of different things. Exactly. Even, okay. like, even, just, a, even just a team. Like okay. It's not even formally an organization, right? Okay. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of what culture uh, is getting at. But 
as we start talking about culture and how to transform it and just trying to begin to be really practical, you already said the three principles, but it's just worth repeating them again. These, this, these culture is driven by, we believe at Acts 29, these three essential principles. Ch- transforming the culture is driven by these three essential principles. So the first one is re- reacquiring the biblical worldview. Yep. The second one is not enough to be a staff. Yep. You have to go from being a staff to a team to a family, right? Yep. And then the third principle is God is the architect. Right. He We've has talked the about plans. these in other places, but the, yeah, just can't keep repeating them enough. When we when we're working with a diocese, um, what we're really doing is just teaching, coaching, mentoring, um, trying to lay out, break open these three principles. Everything we do flows from these, and is trying to help somebody to really incorporate these because they they work, and we're convinced they work. We see the fruit. We we, we know that we've experienced it personally. And we're watching other bishops, priests, parishes, dioceses experience the same thing, aren't we? That's exactly right. And it's, we're not that smart that we came up with no, these. No, no. <laughs> uh, like we, we really do think God gave these to us uh, to give away. That's why our ministry is free. And, um, and the beauty of them, they're all simple. Mm. They're not necessarily easy to do, but yeah. they're simple. And, and, and things need to be simple for us, right? Yeah, especially for guys like me. <laughs> yeah, I hear it, bro. So talk about how, how do we get clarity on culture, or how do we create a culture? Everybody's, unfortunately, everybody's got a culture. Sometimes it's a culture they don't want. Right. Right? So there's ways to, to either transform or get clarity on it. How do we do that? Yeah. So again, coming from those three, three essential principles, you know, they're always, they're always being worked on. It's not, they're not necessarily linear, though there is some sense of, you know, doing the worldview thing first. We have to really know who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But as we get into that second principle, Whereas we call it, it's not enough to be a staff. As we get in that principle, we're coming right at the heart of uh, our dear friend Pat Lencioni and his work mm. around one of our favorite books, The Advantage, right? Right. And Haven't read it, run out, read oh, it. Yeah. Hands down, best book on organizational health and how to become healthy. Yeah, I mean, what was the effect of you reading that book, Father John? Yeah, it changed my life, changed parish ministry, changed how I understood the importance of um, what it really means to have a team around me so that I don't feel like I'm carrying all the weight on my own. Yeah. I mean, I felt like it was a ton of work when we started to implement it, but it was so worth it because by the end of uh, the process that we were going through, uh, the workload was distributed amongst a boatload of shoulders mm. as opposed to just mine. Ah, amazing. As a leader, you, you can't lead alone. You need help. Yep, exactly. So, so the advantage really gets at this notion of what we call organizational health, which is this... It's this profoundly important but often neglected reality of all the human interaction, all that heart-to-heart stuff, you know? So so when we talk about health, we usually talk about it in juxtaposition to smarts, right? Mm-hmm. So just really briefly, to be successful as a parish, as a diocese, as a family, whatever it is, you have to be good at two things, being smart and healthy, right? So smarts, all that stuff that's like technology, finance, planning, vision. It's those things around, you know, in the church theology and programs. I mean, yeah. we talk about programs ad nauseum, right? And right. like the next thing I can try and do, all important, right. but the health is this stuff that gets at like the, the elimination or minimizing of politics, you know, and, the, and the, it, it gets at the productivity. How do we discern God's will? All this stuff that's so much more messy, um, but it's that human relational level. So, so that's, he, that's the health piece. One of the reasons it's so important, right, is because so much of my life as a pastor was uh, dealing with personnel issues. Mm. Like how, how many managers deal with personnel issues? And it's like, man, this is just an interruption from the work. And so like I, I, I gradually learned maybe we wouldn't have personnel issues yeah. if we had clarity in our culture. Exactly. Because so, we, were, we were going after smart people. Yep. 
and we wanted smart people, but we also need people who would fit a particular culture because yes. we don't work alone. We work together as part of the team, right? Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, just a quick example would be I'm looking to make a, a finance hire yeah. or an operations hire, yeah. and I'm seeing extremely talented people in finance and operations, yeah. but they might not have a life of faith. That's not going to be a cultural fit in a church setting, right? right? right. I mean, that's just the truth. Absolutely. Okay, so we're trying, to, we're trying to build culture, and we're getting into the advantage and the second essential principle. In Lencioni's four disciplines of how you build a healthy organization, the first one's all about the team. We're not going to talk about that today, but it's all about building a healthy team right. around the pastor or around whoever that leader is, full of trust and conflict and commitment. Good conflict, great, right? Yeah, yep. exactly. Great conflict. The, the best teams have great conflict. So all that stuff's super important, first discipline. The second discipline is getting into this, this, um, this, this idea of kind of like the alignment of the mind, right? So if, if the first one's getting heart alignment around... Um, building a cohesive team. The second one's kind of like this intellectual alignment around six critical questions from all the way from the 30,000-foot view of why we exist down to the very, very kind of in the weeds and the nitty-gritty granular level of who does what on our team. These questions changed my life, changed ministry, changed me personally. Yeah, so you saying that makes it worth just saying. So it's why we exist, yep. how do we behave. From that, what do we do? What's, mm -hmm. this, what's this team or organization do? Then how will we succeed? What's our, what's our strategy? Let's, let's boil it down to some really practical things that can drive our strategy to help us say yes to the right things and no to the others, right? Yep. Then question, question five is, what's most important right now? Over yep. the next small set of months, three to nine months, maybe 12 at the most, what's going to make us successful? What's the Holy Spirit inviting us to say, this is the most important thing we're working on? Yep. And then lastly, who does what? If we're going to get this done. Exactly. Right. Clarity. So again, these things apply across the board to any organization or group of people. And so we, we know so many organizations that spend so much time doing team building, mm -hmm. you know, which is worthwhile. Like oh, yeah. We work together all day long. We should probably be, a, we should be <laughs> healthy as a team. But the most important organization is marriage and family. These six questions are so Amen. helpful for marriage. I know you and Emily have kind of come up with this. You come up with a playbook, right? Yep. Uh, for these six questions. So um, we share them again, encourage the book again. And this is not just for church ministry, although what we're about is transformation in the church. Um, but man, if you're, if you're getting married, like I do these things for marriage prep, you know, and we yeah. want to zero in right now on just that second question. How do we behave? Yes. Which really has to do with... Uh, with the root of our behaviors with one another, right? Those things that we're going to hold each other to when we when we hire people, how we're going to make decisions about mm -hmm. we hire people, like they got to fit these core values. Um, in marriage prep, like I encourage couples to think about um, how are you going to come up with your core values, which uh, we'll break open here in a second, so that if God blesses you with children, boom, children show up, and all of a sudden the Jorgensons are helping their children understand this is how the Jorgensen family behaves. That's exactly right. Stenciling on a wall, yeah. right? Why put like wine, <laughs> laughter, and song on top of the wall <laughs> that you buy down at some generic shop? Like instead stencil on the wall of your living room or your dining room, your core values. I know couples who've done this. We have them in our offices here. We had them in the office at the parish before. Like they just need to be always in front of us, right? Yeah, I mean, that'd be so powerful to walk into a family's house who knows what they're about. They're unified around it, and they live it. I mean, what a great testimony to yeah, family it's life. It's pretty provocative, faith. too. Like, where did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> Can um, I buy that? <laughs> we painted those. Oh, all right. So tell us about core values. Yeah, so core values. How do we behave? It's the this, it's this second question of these six critical questions. And this, this is getting down to 
those unique and very concrete behaviors that you as a, as a group, as a team, you know, so we'll use the example because that's our, that's our mission is, is parish and diocesan ministry, right? Those are the, where we focus most of our time. That the, the parish team or the diocesan, you know, sort of leadership team, executive team. Led by the bishop. Led yeah. by the bishop. They need, to, they need to have answers to those, those like three behaviors, maybe two behaviors of how, what makes them unique, hmm. what they're willing to be punished for. Yeah, if I don't do these. If they don't do don't them or they do do them even, right? Yep. They're, 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 these, these are so inherent to the, to the culture that they're going to you know, do performance reviews around them. They're going to hire around them. They're not going to tolerate behavior that goes against them. Hmm. And this isn't to say like, Oh, you guys aren't you guys aren't kind or whatever. No, it's to say this is who we are. This is who the Holy Spirit's inviting us to be. Right. And we it's so important, and it's so important to the mission of the church that to go against these would to be to would be to hurt the mission we have. Yeah, and maybe just to be clear, like yeah. so these aren't something that like, you know, when we started Acts 29, like I came up with what our core values are gonna be. And then I said <laughs> to you and to Mary and Steve and Chris and Kelly, like, hey guys, this is how you're gonna behave. <laughs> Right? right, we came up with these. Right, so this is how how it functions with a, a group of people or a right. team. Right, like you in, in a uh, diocesan setting, a parish setting, you you prayerfully um, discern what are these things going to be, and then you all have input into them. Right, right, yeah. So Father John, you led us beautifully with this. We we had someone, we hired a friend of ours, right, to come in and walk us through a little bit yep. of um, uh, how to answer this question. So that we, 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 we prayed through iterations of what this looked like. Maybe we had seven or 10 of them at first. We whittled it down. We prayed and we argued back and forth like crazy. And we landed on, okay, these three things from prayer and from our time arguing and wrestling with it, these are the three values at yep. X29, which are going to drive everything we do. So if anybody's coming on board, these three values are going to be inherent in them. Yeah, they got to be there or we wouldn't, we wouldn't bring exactly. them on board, right? And so what we do is we, you know, you, you try to get away from the cliche, cliche yeah. kind of language, right? You want something that it's intentionally like, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. So we, we name the values. So we have three core values. Yes. We name them, we define them, and then we operationalize them. Like, what do these things look like, Right. Exactly. And and what we want to, the reason why we're talking about this right now, not only because of the importance of culture, but um, you were talking about Lencioni. So Lencioni, their organization, uh, the table group, mm -hmm. at a certain point when they were coming up with their core values, what were their three? Uh, humble, hungry, and smart. When we say smart, we're not talking about book smart, we're talking about emotional IQ, people smarts. Right. So they came to realize that, you know what? I think these actually are helpful for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so now they call them, what, like characteristics of an ideal team player. Correct. If you're going to go hire somebody, you probably don't want to hire somebody who doesn't have a high emotional intelligence, who like just ticks off everybody in the middle of the meeting and yeah. didn't know it. Right. They don't know how to read a room or anything right. like that. Yeah. You don't want to hire somebody who has to be continually driven, like, hey, I need you to get that done. Right. And you don't want to hire somebody who doesn't know both what their strengths and their weaknesses are, right? Exactly. So the humility there. So they put these forth. They realize these are ours, but then maybe they're bigger than just us. And they shared them with everybody and said, we think you guys should all adopt these as like the characteristics of the ideal team player. Exactly. So maybe kind of like in an analogous way, we're not sure about this, but we would suggest that what, what our core values are might be something like what? Apostolic values. Yeah, for everybody yeah. in the church. Yeah, right? we're, we're, we're increasingly convinced by, and even our work with some other teams are starting to confirm this, is to say 
these three values, you're going to have your own core values. So we're not suggesting these are your core values right. to a, to a right. church or a diocese. Right. But we do think these, are, these might be something, like you said, apostolic values, right. which are going to be necessary to get our church to go from this, you know, Christendom sort of model and way of thinking to a real apostolic shift. Great. So enough of that. Let's talk about our values. Yeah, what, what are, are those values? values? What's the first one? Uh, the first one is ambitious for God and his kingdom. Oh, I love this. So, so the way we define that is the conviction that God has set us apart for this work and that he's doing something that's bigger than us, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we had that at the very beginning. I remember we were at a conference in Ohio, and uh, we, were, we hadn't even formally started yet. I think you were on board, but you were the only paid employee at the time. The rest <laughs> yeah. of us were wrapping up at the parish. And uh, when we were there, we were celebrating Mass, and uh, we just felt like the Holy Spirit said loud and clear to us, this is so mm. much bigger than you think, right? And so I think oftentimes in the church, we can have false humility and we can forget the fact that we were born for this moment yep. and that we don't just happen to be alive by chance right now and that God wants to do something great, like, despite us, yeah, through us, yes, right? So, yes. like, God has called us to this ministry. If you're, not, if you're in ministry and you don't believe that, you shouldn't be in ministry. Amen. And then he's doing something bigger than just our own maybe immediate sphere of influence. And we should want that too. And so th- th- this gets operationalized how? Like what does this look like practically? Yeah, so we have, we have three ways we very practically try to live this out. The first one is genuine humility about ourselves. And we don't mean by this that like, oh, we're so humble, we're so great. What we really mean by this is God has given us what we have to offer the church. Yeah. We, we, this is God's work, yep. and we are so blessed to be invited into it. Yep. Everything we have, we give away. Right. We give it away for free because we're convicted that, like, this isn't, this isn't about us and making a profit. This is about giving God his world back. Yeah, and we, and we know who we are. Right. Right, and, and oh, what, I, what I am, I mean, today is the Feast of St. Catherine as we're recording this, and, uh, you know, the Lord said to Catherine, I am he who is, and you are she who is not. And so we know that, like, I'm yeah. dust and ashes. I'm a selfish, sinful wretch oftentimes. Yep. Um, we're not impressed with us. We are massively impressed with God. Amen. That's the genuine humility, right? Exactly right. So that second way it, it uh, gets operationalized, what it looks like is we have unshakable confidence mm-hmm. in the Lordship of Jesus. Don't have a lot of confidence in me. I don't need confidence in me. I got unshakable confidence in him who has bound the strong man, defeated the powers of sin and death, and reconciled us to the Father, right? Yeah, we're convinced he's unconquerable. Yeah, utterly unconquerable. He's not just kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing? The last thing, God wants his world back. Yeah. Emphasis on his because this whole place is rightfully his. Yeah. And is just, if you will, in temporary captivity yeah. by the prince of the air. Of this world, right. This so, world. We, so we would propose this is an apostolic value for every organization within the church, huh? for a diocesan team, for a parish team. We don't, we don't think we can do apostolic work or work in an apostolic age if we are not ourselves ambitious for God and his kingdom. What's the second one? Amen, right? The yeah, second one is being authentically human. Yeah, and I think this is one that increasingly so we're finding, this is, this is what rubs a lot of us. Like we, we see this as like, oh, wow, I am immediately aware I don't think I'm living an authentically human life. We've done some podcasts on this, or yep. some episodes. I think Mary and I did a couple of them, just talking about how much this resonated with so many priests, right? Because so many of us settle for living a less than authentically human life. So how do we define that? Yeah, so 
It's a promise to each other to live a balanced life and be ready for the mission. Quick question. Are you living a balanced life? Eh, probably not, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, I know I struggle with that all I do the time. Too. So we try to really hold each other to that. And, and then what's it look like for us? How do we operationalize that? If we say permission to, we have the permission to be real, uh, which means we have the willingness to ask for help and to help each other. Yeah, I mean, and I think that one, in a very particular way, I've seen so many people with whom this has resonated. We brought this over from the parish too. Mm-hmm. Just saying that, like, I have here in this space with all of you, uh, the permission to be real. I mean, just today we were sitting around the table. We always pray before we begin the day. And uh, one of our team just didn't look good. Like, hey, what's up? Yep. Uh, I'm crabby today. Here's why. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Hey, that's okay. Like, That's exactly right. Can we pray with you? We'll pray for you. Um, what can we do to help you? Um, and it just helps like knowing I don't have to hide anything here. Mm-hmm. I can be who I am. That's right. right. You guys do that with me all the time, which is so helpful. Yeah, Second have, way, what do we do? Constant concern for our collective well-being. Mm, okay. And Father John, you, you are excellent at this. I mean, um, you, 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 I mean, to be clear to everyone listening, Father John drives the culture here. He, he, he lives it well, and he allows us to hold him accountable to it too. But this is one he's, he's always looking after the, the collective health of the team and saying, are we living well? Are we doing well? Are we doing okay? And gives precedent to the human mm. over the productivity, right? And so just in your example right there today, one of our, one of our team members, you, you took the time, and it, and it didn't take long today, but it's taken longer at other times for us to work through issues as a team. Right. But you take the time and say, you know what? We could be in this meeting and continue to try and be, quote, productive in the American way, or we can just be productive as disciples and say, how are you doing? What's going on? Something's not right. And so you're, you're, you have a constant concern for this, Father John, and that our team is one. We are whole. So that's, that's how that gets lived out in our team. What's the third one? Yeah, so, so, so that bleeds right into, you know, it's, it's just a, a genuine commitment to a unified mind and heart. Mm-hmm. Like we, we're constantly striving. You, you are uh, fond of using the expression, like, I want to make sure there's no daylight. Yeah. You know, so whenever, whenever we sense, because I mean, because we're, we're all flawed, we're all human, we're all, you know, insecure, we're all selfish, we all go to confession. And so we're going to say things say things at times to each other which you know they're not going to land well or maybe we could have handled something better and you're great at coming back to a situation just going hey i'm not sure how we resolve that i just want to make sure there's no daylight between us um it's great expression you know and um so this is a way to just make sure that we're always sharing one mind and heart with regards to the mission and then the last one uh, is the one that seems to provoke just a boatload yeah. of jealousy from everybody, but uh, what's that look like? Yeah, making intentional time to enjoy each other's company. Yeah, so we love to hang out together, uh, which is not the norm in quote-unquote work, and it's certainly not the norm in the church. No, sadly. So over and over again, we've just heard uh, places where we've gone to serve where people have made the observation that goes something along the lines of, you know, we, we watched you guys just eat together. We happened to be at a restaurant one time where some of the people we were serving uh, were eating as well. We didn't know they were there, and they came up to us uh, at the end of the night and just said, you know, we've been watching you all night long and can't fathom doing what you do. You know, you work together, uh, and when we work together, we run home to get away from each other, and you guys go out together and recharge together. Yeah. And uh, and the beauty is, like, everybody can have that. 
They can. You know, I mean, that, that's the apostolic life that, yep. that had to have been Jesus and the apostles. They're getting on each other's nerves at times, too. Oh, yeah. The chosen shows that. Yep. But they're recharging together, even as they're doing ministry together, right? Yeah, this is, so this, this authentically human value is, uh, all of them we, we, we believe are necessary, but this one, I think, is, is so provocative, um, to your point, Father John. We were just, we were just in, um, uh, we were some priests not too long ago, and some of the priests commented on, like, I, I want that. Right. Or we don't have that. Right. Or that is making making what you're doing powerful. Yeah, we were, we were in the parking lot packing up the car, and, and uh, two priests uh, were saying just, you know, thanks for coming, whatever. And one guy just said, you're going to have to teach us how to do what you do because we mm. don't have that. And we want that. Uh, and we want to share it. Because right? the answer isn't, sorry, we just lucked out. <laughs> That's not the answer. Like, we can have this if we build a solid foundation yes. and we work on the clarity to these kinds of questions. That's yeah. the whole point in this, right? Yeah. We're all wanting to be known and to be loved. So yep. authentically human. Okay. And then the last one is this, God is the architect, which we use a lot. And I feel like we have to keep stressing this. We're not Masons, you know? Like, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. But um, yeah, it, it, we define it as the willingness to go wherever he leads and to leave the familiar behind. And this is the time that we're living in right now. You know, like none of us were trained for this era. And we have gotten um, accustomed to thinking that we can control everything. Yeah. But the reality is, no, we got we to really be willing to just let the Lord take us into new frontiers and cross thresholds and, and leave the familiar, just like he did with Abraham, uh, just like he did with Moses, just like he's done with, you know, like, every great saint down through the ages. And so we got to really want to let him do that. And so it, it, it operationalizes how? The absolute primacy of prayer for all that we do. Which means it's more than an agenda item. That's right. right? It and is the we're agenda. We're constantly praying. Lord, we, 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 you know, it's that line from Hacksaw Ridge. What is it you want of me? I don't understand. I can't hear you. We're constantly asking the Lord. Lord, help us to know what you want here. And, and I know for me, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I was praying this morning. I felt like the Lord just said to me, you know, the, the challenge for us now, we're kind of two years into this. We, we, we quote unquote, know what we're doing sometimes. And I felt <laughs> like he just said, you need to keep asking me. Yeah. Don't, don't think this is, um, you know, uh, that the, uh, the creativity and the innovation and the inspiration that I've given you, that that's over. you got to keep coming to me. Don't don't let this thing become uh, stratified. Mm, or rote. Uh, yeah, exactly. Don't do that. You know, don't think you've got it figured out. And so there's, there's constant temptation to go, okay, great. I got this, Lord. Don't need you anymore. Sounds really stupid when you say it out loud, but we, we can think that way. I got this, Lord. No, I got nothing, right? Without me, you can do not very much. Yeah. No, Nothing. Right, and so the absolute primacy of prayer for all that we do. So we share these just because we think uh, that the Lord gave these to us, much like we'd say uh, we think the Lord gave humble, hungry, and smart to the table group to give away. We think the Lord gave these to us to give away too. Yeah, and uh, we want you to copy and steal them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so just getting uber practical with this, right? So, second question: How do we behave? Right? We're trying to figure this out as a church, uh, you know, in a different wherever we wherever we're leading or whatever team we're a part of. You know, how is this team? How is this group going to behave? And if you're convinced like we are that this is a new age in the church, we uh, we'd recommend two things. One, honestly, the humble, hungry, smart paradigm. If you're so so many people right now are hiring in the church. Read the ideal team or player, or they're going to be soon. You know, it's, it's, turnover's high, <laughs> which is one of the problems because we're not healthy, right? So, so 
We want to read the ideal team player and understand mm -hmm. those values. Humble, hungry, and smart. Right. And those are something what we would call like permission to play. This is like the baseline minimum yep. for the work here. And in the work of transforming your team and the culture of your parish or your diocese, we'd recommend take these three values we laid out, these apostolic values, and run with them for a season. Mm -hmm. Make them your own. Live them. You know, like really rely on God being the architect and driving everything you're doing. Be authentically human with each other. Mm -hmm. Really live a balanced life and learn to love one another and enjoy each other's company, really get to know each other, and then just live out being ambitious for God and his kingdom. He has set you apart for this work and is doing something bigger than you, than us. So to live those out, those, those, those three values from Lencioni, the three values of, of, of being apostolic, is going to be a great platform to really intentionally start to bring transformation to your culture. Yep. To be clear, those three essential principles are all operating but this uniquely is going to drive some yeah. practical human behavior. We're getting detailed on one of them right now. And so uh, we just we share it because uh, we are convinced uh, of Jesus's uh, words, the truthfulness of his words about building on rock. And one of the ways to understand that is to uh, build a very strong foundation in these things, creating culture and getting clarity on culture. That's one of the ways that we get um, a strong foundation. So like the beauty of being ambitious for God, most people just aren't dreaming big enough. Mm-hmm. God has huge dreams. I remember being at a conference with uh, Deacon Steve. Somebody repeated, I forget who first said it. I'm going to take credit for it now because I say it <laughs> often. Um, if, if your plans don't make you nervous, God is probably offended. Mm. Like we just dream too small. So we want to dream big because God's serious about his plan that's what we're seeing in this Easter season. He's so serious about the world and about each and every person that he's made in his image and his likeness that he didn't just make us, but he became one of us so as to rescue us from sin and death. And he's the one who's created you and me to be alive right now in the midst of all this craziness that we're living in. And he's not nervous. And because he's not nervous and because he's created you for now, don't be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. 